What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to the first episode of the Bridge to Bridge podcast. I'm your host, Big Mike. I was born and raised in the city of San Francisco, and I have such a love and appreciation for the Bay Area. This podcast is going to shine a light on some of the Bay's finest athletes, entrepreneurs, and artists. We're going to hear the stories of their journeys to success, struggles they've overcome, and get to know them on a personal level. Without further ado, I'll introduce our first guest. My first guest on the Bridge to Bridge podcast is Juan Toscano Anderson. Not only is he a good buddy of mine, but he's also an amazing athlete who's just completed his first season in the NBA with the Golden State Warriors. We're going to dive in and learn about his journey to get to the NBA, how he's dealing with COVID, and how he's active in the community. Let's jump to the interview. Hi, Juan. Thanks for coming on the first episode of the Bridge to Bridge podcast. Um, do me a favor and tell the folks your name, where you're from, and your profession. Uh, I'm Juan Toscano Anderson uh, from Oakland, California. Uh, I currently play for the Golden State Warriors, um, and I also represent Mexico on a FIBA level, Olympic level. Um, yeah. Very cool, very cool. Um, so before that, you played um, college um, at Marquette, correct? Correct. And what was your major at Marquette? Uh, criminal law studies. Very cool. Very cool. And, and, and after you finished hooping and studying at Marquette, you went to Mexico to play professional basketball. Right. I feel like uh, a lot of pro athletes at times go through periods of uncertainty. You know, they're, they're, uh-huh. not, a, they're, they're not 100% certain of, you know, where they're going to end up playing. How do you push yourself to remain focused uh, in those periods and during those times? Um, I think, uh, you know, in our profession, it's always uncertain. I mean, your fate is kind of in your employer's hand. Um, and it's not like a regular job where you have HR and this, that, and the third, like you can fight back. You know what I'm saying? Right. HR in our profession, but, you know, you can be <clears throat> or waived uh, at any moment in time. So, I think how you get through that is just you kind of accept that and you just always prepare for that moment. And as long as you're healthy, you know, you're taking care of your body um, in, a, in a perfect world. You'll, if you're confident in your game, you know, you're going to have a job somewhere. Right. I think it's just like once you get over the uncertainty of where you where your location will actually be um, and just accept the fact like, hey, I'm going to go play basketball somewhere. Right. Um, I think that, at least for me, that's how I get through it. I mean, every summer is a, is a time of uncertainty, but I mean, you spend time with me in the summer, you know, I just keep myself busy, keep working on my game. And when it's time to cross that bridge, then, you know, we'll cross it then. But I think people just have to accept that, you know, it, it's the name of the game. It's a business. So you could be anywhere. Um, in my case, like I've played overseas and I'm a borderline NBA player. I'm in the NBA now, but you know, I'm not established in the NBA. So um, I understand that I could be playing in Europe or somewhere next year. Um, right. And I've just accepted that. And I think when you accept it, it's, it's easier to deal with. It's definitely a mental game. For sure. I mean, hey, that's what anything in life, <laughs> the majority of it is mental and how you respond to, you know, your circumstances. Right. When, when we initially met, I, I felt like you kind of were at the peak of, of pro basketball in Mexico how did you know it was time to to make your way back to the U.S. 
and, and take your shot at, at uh, playing in the NBA? I mean, there's so many, there's so many facets of, of making a decision, you know, right? Right. You got your, your mental aspect, then you got your like emotional and gut, you know, and then it's kind of like the logical. There's so many different thoughts, you know, what makes the most sense financially? What makes the most sense for me to be happy? What makes the most sense, you know, moving forward in my career? And uh, it was a hard decision to make, you know, to leave Mexico. Um, like you said, I was at the peak there. I was doing pretty well for myself there and well enough to where I'd be content living that life for the rest of my life, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, but like just me, man, I always want more. Like I'm always trying to to get more and keep, you know, pushing, raising the bar. So uh, I had never given myself the, the opportunity to like even get in front of some NBA teams or some NBA scouts or anything like that. So uh, I didn't want to retire at the age of 38 and then be looking back like, dang, I never even tried to go to the NBA, you know? So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to live a life of regret. You know, I'd rather, like, try and fail and then, like, I could always go back to Mexico. I have a passport there, so. Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny you bring that up with this podcast. You know, I've wanted to do this for two years, and uh, I haven't done it. I've kind of set things up, and uh, I, I've done – like test on, on doing these podcasts, but I've never really kind of pushed myself to do it. Uh And I just feel like, uh, at times you can be not you, but, uh, just us ourselves, we can be our our own biggest critic and, you know, we block ourselves from doing the great things that we want to do. For sure. I mean, we, we begin to overthink too many things and you always start thinking about what, what could happen with this or what could (laughs) happen with that, you know, and it's just like, I mean, anything could happen. Uh, you know, why are we always thinking about what could happen in a negative sense? It's like, well, what if you're, in your case, what if your podcast takes off and becomes, you know, so popular? Like, right. you got to try it. So, and that's what I wanted to do, man. Just try it. That's the hardest thing to do is to start, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie, man. You, your uh, ladder to where you're at now has definitely motivated me. And uh, I'm glad that you're you're the first person that uh, I'm interviewing for this podcast. So I definitely appreciate it. Um, no, I appreciate you having me. Yeah, man. So since you've been back, <clears throat> you've been training with uh, our guy Fale. Um, yeah. You know, he, to me, he's the ultimate team guy. He's a legend. And uh, I just wanted to kind of bring him up and talk about your relationship with him. Yeah, uh, man, well, where do I start with Fale? Like, Fale is one of the best people I've met in my life, and, and shout out to you for for making that introduction, man. Um, you know, for me in my life, uh, I just want people who are good people, and I want people who know how to work, who don't feel entitled. You know, whether that's me working with them, me working for them, them working for me, or, you know, just being my friend. Um, right. And it's my life. I can hire and fire as I please. So I just want to, I want good people around me, man. I think Fale is, a, I don't think, I know Fale is the epitome of that. He shows that on a day-to-day basis. He's a hard worker, man. Very humble. Um, and he's just hungry, man. Like, yeah, absolutely. I want people like that around me because that inspires me. It makes me, you know, want to get in the gym when he's, he's texting me and initiating. Like there's some, most of the time, I don't need anybody to initiate, you know, action for me to go work on my game. But, hey, we all, as humans, we all need that kick in the butt sometimes. For sure. And so, you know, he's always there to see, you know, help me get better. And, you know, I've been working with him for three summers now. And 
I've seen my game elevate, you know, to a different level since, you know, consistently working with him. Like, that guy will show up anywhere. Anytime. anytime. Yeah. At any time. Four and, in the morning, like, he's up training yeah. people. <laughs> and, and I want to put an emphasis on that, man. Like, that guy will show up anywhere at any time, you know, to work, to get better. And, and you can't do nothing but respect that and appreciate that, man. Yeah. And I, I tell him all the time, like, people going to look at it like – you know, I did all the work, and yeah, I did. I did do the major the majority of the work, but like we all need that help, and and he's been there every step of the way to help me. So I'm very appreciative of him. Like he's helping me not only change my life, but also indirectly changing my family's lives and you know the people around me. Right. So uh, you make the change. You you get out to the U.S. What's that? Uh, what's like that game differential? Uh, between playing out in Mexico uh, uh, to the G League and, and then finally to the NBA. Uh, is it much quicker game? Is it different? What's kind of the, the understanding of that? You know, they're, they're just much better. They're on a different level. So you're playing against NBA pros every night, and then you're playing against guys who are borderline NBA. Uh, when you're going into the G League. And then, obviously, when you're getting into the NBA, you're playing against the best of the best in the world, right? So it's like, I mean, that obviously speaks to itself. You're just playing against the best basketball players in the world. So the game is faster, stronger. Guys are more athletic. Guys are very, way more skilled. It's like in Mexico, like if you got a guy on the scouting report that's a shooter, it's kind of like, okay, you could probably let him get some shots off, but just make it tough. And he probably won't make them. But like in the NBA, if you let Steph Curry get some, you know, even relatively close open looks, like that's a bucket. <laughs> You know what yeah, I'm saying? Absolutely. It's just um, like guys are way better at their role and way better at what they're just way better basketball players all around and it just makes the game like way more uh, I don't know what word to use, I guess more efficient. Like guys are scoring at a higher clip, they're shooting it at a higher clip, like everything's just much faster. Right. And, and um I'm sure it's more challenging to you. I mean, you like I like we were talking about. You reach the peak of playing basketball out there. You know, you're probably the best player in the league. You know, you come out to the to the U.S. and you're in a sea of of uh, big fish, a lot of great players, right? Right. I mean, uh, that's where I grow, though. That's where I feel like that's that's where I do my best work is because I'm inspired by others and I'm motivated yeah. by others, and I'm always going to rise to the occasion. You know what I'm saying? I just, I just, that's how I work, man. I, I get better in those type of environments. I thrive there. Nice. And and it's very important to you. Uh, one of the things I, I like is that, you know, representing Mexico in the NBA is definitely one of the more important things to you, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously that's just part of who I am and I'm always going to be proud of who I am, but they gave me a chance, man. Like after college, I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. I didn't have a plan. I didn't have anything going for myself. And, I went over there and I, I reestablished myself. I rebranded myself and I began to make a name for myself. And I'm just very thankful to the people there, not only for supporting me and just making that whole portion of my life. Like that living there was the time of my life, man. Like that, that was really paid vacation, honestly. Like it's just so dope. Like I literally wake up, go to practice, chill, like eat good food. It was just the time of my life, man. And I'm just very thankful to those people and, you know, to the basketball scene down there for allowing me to come down there and, you know, just revive my, my life, revive my basketball life. I love it, man. So so you finish your first season in the G League with the Santa Cruz Warriors. 
you have a, an outstanding season and you get to, you get the invite to training camp for the golden state warriors. Mm -hmm. You get the exposure, um, that you're, that you're looking for, uh, with some preseason games, but ultimately, um, you signed your second year, uh, in the G league, in the G league, right? Mm -hmm. What's your thought process on, on getting back to the NBA and do you feel, you know, that uh, coming out on top in those moments are, are kind of what, what made you today? Yeah, I mean, just just all of it, just being in the NBA itself is like every every aspect of it. I mean, from an emotional, physical, spiritual, like you're so happy you finally reached your dream. And then in a different aspect, just like the lifestyle you live, you get the best of the best. You know, you're competing with the best of the best. You're playing on TV, uh, blah, blah, blah. You're getting paid good money. Like, obviously, nobody wants to give that up. And that was something that I was – when I got waived and went back to the G League, I was like, nah, I got to get back here. Like, this yeah. is everything I've worked for just to get this close and let it slip out of my hands. And I just, I just continue to work, man. I just stay focused on, you know, the task at hand. Like, my ultimate goal was to get back to the NBA. And I'm, a, I'm also – even though I'm very optimistic, I'm also a realist. Like, I'm a realistic person, and I'm very understanding that the NBA is not for everybody, and there is a chance that, hey, I may never make it back to the NBA. I was very aware of that. But with that being said, like, I'm still going to still be the best player I can be on an everyday basis. And I think I just took that direct approach, like, trying to build day by day rather than look at it in a – in a big picture type. I don't know. I just looked at it differently. And I feel like that's kind of what helped me, you know, get back and prepare myself to rise to the occasion when my number was called again. You know, I feel like I was ready to play when they, they called me back up. Yeah. You were definitely uh, about that action when, when this whole thing went down. So um, I definitely respect that. So yeah, your, your second season uh, begins and uh, the opportunity presents itself for the call-up. Um, I know you play some preseason games, but what's that first, uh, like, in-season game like? And, and how long does it take you to kind of get in your groove um, in, that, in that game and get used to the, the, the change of pace? Um, man, it, it, that first shot I made, it will – it felt different, man. I was so happy just because, like, it was different. Like, preseason, like, yeah, I was there. I was in the NBA, but, like, I wasn't on contract. Like, it didn't – I didn't feel – I don't know. It was just a different feeling, you know, than being on contract and being a part of the team and, like, being on the roster. Um, As for catching my groove, man, I feel like I caught it pretty fast. You know, I hit my first few shots. I had a game where I hit winning, like, four for five from three. Uh, play well a few games but then it kind of like just I hit a wall kind of and and that's normal it's normal for guys because there's 82 games and right. I think that's where you have to step back and, and I think that's where the the COVID and corona thing kind of helped me in a sense because I was able to step back and like really look at the you know the picture of the NBA like there are guys who go out there and play well and score 30 every night for 82 games and I really I really like respect those guys and salute those guys because that's hard to do you know what I'm saying do it 82 right. games and then like when you're getting on a plane to travel and then you got practice and you got media and you got to grind yeah it, it is a, it's a grind bro and so I just respect those guys it's hard to do but um I think one thing 
you have to know how to do is just like bounce back in the NBA because like I say you can't even if you have a 30-point game like nobody cares if you have 30 on the Pacers you're going to play the Chicago Bulls tomorrow nobody cares if you went 0 for 10 versus the Pacers and you play Chicago Bulls tomorrow nobody cares like you still got to get your ass up and still go out there and compete so um, I think it's just like maintaining a groove is the most important part because I think every player like regardless of what you do like if you're consistently working on your game, like you're gonna have those breakout games, but it's just a matter of who can do it consistently. Right. So you play well enough, and and that big league first big league contract comes down the pipeline. Um, and you, you just brought up COVID. March 11th, news gets out. Uh, I believe it's March 11th, but news gets out that the NBA is suspending league play following uh, positive COVID tests in the league. I mean. Uh, is that not the craziest whirlwind, like, uh, for that to happen in your first uh, year in the league? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to happen at any point in time. It's something we've never seen. But, I mean, it was just kind of – I was kind of salty. I'm not going to lie when it happened because it's like, damn, my first year in the league, like, I was really <laughs> – I was really looking forward yeah. to this. And, you know, I was going to celebrate. I was going to take a big vacation. Like, I feel like I owe that to myself. You know, I definitely got to enjoy the fruits of my labor. But also, on the other hand, like, I got injured the day before Corona was um, announced or right. that the NBA was shut down, shutting down. So, like, it's also a blessing in disguise because it's allowed me to take my time and recuperating, like, be mentally okay. Like, that's mentally draining also when you feel like you have to get back. Like, you yeah. you know, you got to get back and hoop because, you know. There's a time crunch. Time, I'm, yeah, I'm still trying to earn my contract. I'm still trying to earn my respect. Like, I'm still trying to earn my keep on this team. So that was definitely a blessing in disguise because I was able to just, like, mentally be very calm and tranquil about, you know, my rehab and taking my time and not rushing, getting back healthy. And so uh, it was good mentally. It was good physically for me for sure. It's crazy. You're you're basically leading me into my next questions uh, all the time. But yeah, I mean, during COVID, gyms are shut down, no fitness centers, no workout rooms. Like, what are the things that you're doing right now to stay in shape physically and mentally? I know I know the gyms uh, are, are getting ready to open up. I'm sure your, your training facility is open. But I mean, were, were you on the push up and sit up uh, hype? I mean, how are you working out every day with no gym, no equipment? Yeah. Um, so the team, they, they loaned me a bike, they loaned me some gear, um, like bands and stuff that I was doing. I was able to use a Versa climber. Uh, I was able to do some Pilates. Um, but everything. Pilates. Was, you said what? I'm sorry. I said, I love Pilates. Yeah. Pilates is dope, man. But it was, it was very slow motion, man. It was, uh, there wasn't too much I could do. I was literally on, on bed rest for like a month, for like six weeks. Mm -hmm. um just because like I couldn't walk on my ankle um I was chilling man it was it was kind of like it was tough because I was getting bored and getting anxious but I started finding other things to do um and now it's just like everything's starting to open back up slowly our facility is opened up but you know it's only one player one coach to a court so it's just kind of different but um, we're finding ways around it, man. I'm just finding ways to keep trying to get better, stronger, uh, you know, keep sharpening my tools. Yeah. I feel like, you know, from COVID mentally, I was pushed the most. I mean, you're, you're, you're 
basically locked into to your house and you can only go to the supermarket. It was just, it was a really kind of a big, um, ab- you know, abrupt thing that happened. And so that's why I was kind of curious to see, you know, what you were doing. Um, recently, I know you've been focusing a lot of your free time uh, as an activist, you know, organizing walks, rallies, and meetings within the community. Where do you feel that your passion uh, for that uh, has sparked or come from? Uh, Obviously, I mean, for my mom, uh, for the most part, but also just like, I I think I've been very lucky in my life um, Mm -hmm. to just be, to live in so many different circumstances, to um, <clears throat> travel to different places, uh, get different perspectives on lives. Um, and so I kind of understand that what is, what is the most important part in life? And the most important thing in life to me is people remembering you for the things that aren't tangible, you know, how you treat them, how do you love, you know, are you a leader? Are you positive? Like, you know, all these things that people want in their lives, they just don't have the people there for them, whether that be their family, a partner or whatever, or, you know, things that people want to be. They just don't have the courage or know how to. I'm not going to lie, bro. I'm not an activist, but getting out there and leading all those people, that was very intimidating for me. Oh, for I, sure. I was very nervous. I don't, I didn't know the right words to say. I don't, I don't want, I didn't want to get up there and act like I'm Mr. Know-it-all or anything. So it was very nerve wracking <laughs> and very intimidating, but, I just think the most important thing is just like those things that aren't tangible. And so that's where that came from, man, doing the right thing. And I feel like right now is a very pivotal moment in history and a pivotal moment in uh, mankind. Like, you know, minorities are getting tired of being mistreated, you know, right. and, and for my sake, I can, I'm only speaking for black and Mexicans, but you know, black people are tired of police brutality. We're tired of prejudice. We're tired of racism. You know, Mexicans are tired of racism. They're tired of being tired of being harassed by ICE. They're tired of seeing their people locked in cages. And that's just I just want to speak up for my people, man. I feel like everybody, regardless of, you know, what your class is, what your color is, what your religion is, like everybody deserves to find peace and be happy in life. And I'll speak for my own case. As a black man, it's hard to find that peace and hard to be happy sometimes because we're dealing with so much different shit on a day-to-day basis. Right. And so I just wanted to bring light to that and bring people together, man. And as a whole, like people who believe in doing the right thing, we can combat evil. And when I say evil, if that's the police, then we combat the police. If that's Donald Trump, then we get out and vote him out of office and, right. and so forth. Like I'm not asking people to change their political views. I'm not asking people to do anything other than just be good to people. Yeah. Be kind. Right thing, fight the right fight. Right. So. And- and so you, you planned this vision for this movement or was there some, you know, uh, childhood friends involved? I mean, who was it, who was like the key people in, in organizing this that, that helped you out or was it just you? Uh, no, it was definitely some childhood friends All my IDF crew. Um, yeah, we, we just started brainstorming, man. And then the night before we're like, man, forget it, let's do it. And so it was a great turnout. And the second one, we just wanted to keep that momentum rolling um, and keep bringing people together. So then we did the second one. And um, it ended up 
being me and DJ, a friend of mine, DJ Millions, uh, mm-hmm. we ended up kind of taking the lead on it and being the face of it. But at the same time, like, we can't forget about the people, you know, behind the scenes, the people who are on the Zoom calls with us. Like, there's 10 of us in total. So um, it is definitely everybody's doing their part to make it work. Um, but, you know, me and Jamil are really, like, kind of taking the lead on it right now. You feel like uh, uh, basketball is only your first chapter in your book? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, It's just I love the game, and I'm always going to watch the game and support the game and try to play as long as I can. But um, it's just a moment in time for basketball, and I don't know how long this moment will last. But, you know, one day I got to put the basketball down, and one day I got to be a dad. One day I got to be a husband. One day I want to go on to be a business owner and maybe a team owner and so forth. And, you know, maybe this just – i don't like I said, I don't necessarily see myself as an activist. Mm-hmm. or anything of that nature but I mean I'm always going to do the right thing like that's not a chapter in my book like that's just my foundation and what I'm built on so right. um I don't even know what part of the book that would go in like is that in the forward forward to tell you like hey this is who I am this is who I'm always going to be and then each chapter is like a different part of my life but right like I'm always going to look to do the right thing and I know as a human like it's hard to do the right thing all the time like I'll be the first one to tell you I know that but I'm just always going to try to be good to people and do the right thing man so nah I don't see this part as a chapter basketball yeah it's a chapter I mean it's a long chapter but it's a chapter because one day it's going to come to an end right um so I know you've been uh working on some other projects. I've seen you post stuff on, on social media, um, you know, things regarding clothing, fashion, uh, some apps. Um, I see mention of that company, Ace Society often. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, uh, just all of us, it's a group of friends, uh, some young entrepreneurs, um, clothing lines and different businesses and stuff. And so we all support one another. Um, Ace uh, endorses me. I have an a endorsement deal with them. Um, and so I just pushed that, man, because, I mean, it's one of my best friends, clothing line. But, like, if he wins, we all win. Yeah. Like, who's to say, Who's to say? you know, one day I may need a job. And, you know, some, some work that I did 10 years ago in, you know, putting my friends, boosting my friends, publicity on my Instagram for his clothing line, like that may help him one day and 10 years down the road, I may be asking him for a job. Right. And I don't do it necessarily for that reason, but I do, I do it for the greater good of him and all of us as a whole, because I know he's got, we all have each other's back. So it's like, if he wins, I win. If I win, we win and and so forth. So we all push each other with stuff. Uh, We dropped the app for the clothing line. Um, and then like, I have my own little subsection kind of under his clothing line where I sell some gear and stuff. I'm getting ready to drop in a few weeks. Um, so we just, like I said, man, basketball is going to stop one day and I'm not, I'm not just a basketball player, man. Like I'm Juan first and then Juan just happens to play basketball, but Juan also, also speaks up in his community. Juan is also a leader. Juan is also an entrepreneur. Juan is also a businessman. And I don't just want. I don't really give a fuck what people think about me, to be honest. But at the same time, when I am um, putting myself out there, like I want people to know that I am more than a basketball player. Like I'm capable of 
holding an intellectual conversation. I'm capable of being in this business meeting. I'm capable of, you know, being on a panel because my opinion has validity and there's intellect and logic and thought behind my opinion. Like, I don't just want to be seen as a robotic athlete that just goes out there and makes buckets and then I go home and then that's it. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, we, we've talked about that. I mean, basketball is just an extension of, of – of, of Juan, the person. And, and, you know, you're, you're, uh, the fact that you're so humble is definitely inspiring, man. And, and, uh, you know, I love seeing that for sure. Um, as someone who works in the footwear industry, myself working with Cole Han, I feel like, you know, you're, you're always rocking the latest trends, you know, seeing how you're dressed up to the T's. What's your favorite shoe of all time? My favorite shoe, Jordan one. Yeah, it's my favorite shoe too, man. It it really is the best. Uh, I like wearing them in the mids, but I feel like most folks like wearing the highs uh, definitely more so. You say you like the lows better than the highs? I like the mids, which uh, oh. not not many people mess with. Uh, but, I, you know, I feel like I got a bigger foot. I'm a size 14. So when uh-huh. I wear the highs, it just kind of looks uh, goofy on I me. Mean, I'm a goofy looking dude anyway, so. <laughs> um, you ain't lying so, about that, Mike. <laughs> So, uh, last question. Um, why do you like the Joker so much? Uh, I, man, you know what, bro? If you want my honest opinion, I, I just, I like them for so many different reasons. I, I really like the Heath Ledger one because, uh, he was just such a great actor and he's like, he's a sicko, bro. I just fuck with it. Like, <laughs> but the new one gave me different perspective. Like the newest Joker movie gave me perspective. Like, just like you got to look at it from a different angle and not see like the Joker as a criminal, you know, like he, he was being bullied and struggled from, you know, mental health, you know, depression, anxiety and all that stuff. And uh, there are a lot of people who struggle from that stuff yeah. that don't even know that they're struggling from that stuff because they refuse to address it. Mm-hmm. And then there are people who refuse to just like, even acknowledge that they are going through that stuff. They know they're going through it, but they just refuse to acknowledge it. And I think that's a huge disconnect in, you know, modern day, like with social media and everybody wanting to be like cool and the, you know, be in the know and be in the cool, you know, and it's not cool to, to talk about your health right now. And I yeah. get that. But like me, I, me, myself, I personally struggle from anxiety. Uh, I struggle. You and me both. I struggle from depression in college and so, like, I don't know, man, it just, it's just dope to me. And, like, when I was a kid, I would always make, like, funny faces, like, scary faces at people. Right. It was just, like, <laughs> I don't know, man, like, a part of the Joker's in me. Like, not yeah. that I'm ever going to get out and go do crazy-ass shit, because I'm not. But right. it's just, like, I feel like everybody has that that uh, inner killer. It, it's, like, that psychological thing. I don't know exactly what terminology to use to address it, but, you know, they always say that, are people born killers or, you know, is that a natural instinct? And I think everybody has that natural instinct to like react to different things. And I think everybody has that joker in them. They just, it's untapped or they just don't know about it because they don't live those circumstances or they live a happier, healthier lifestyle. Right. And, you know, I just, I fuck with the joker. I like him. He's just a fucking sicko and I love it. Yeah. He, uh, Heath Ledger is definitely my favorite joker all time. And, uh, He's definitely my favorite villain. Um, I, I could watch that Batman movie. Uh, I've probably seen it 20 times. So uh, I definitely uh, have that in common with you. Um, and that's all the questions I have for you today, man. I really appreciate you uh, joining me on this first episode. 
and, uh, you know, look forward to following you and your career and, and all the great things that you do uh, going forward in your life. Now, I appreciate it, man. And it's an honor that you asked me to, you know, be your first guest. So, uh, I mean, I'm looking forward to your podcast growing, bro. And, you know, and I appreciate you being a friend, bro. Like, yeah. So th thanks again for having me. Great interview with Juan. Really um, appreciate him hopping on the first episode of the Bridge to Bridge podcast and shooting the shit with me. I know he's a busy guy. He has a really busy schedule. I really learned uh, a lot about him as a person, as an athlete, as an individual, and really hope that you guys got some good insight and understanding on how people like him live their lives and, and think about kind of what's going on on a day-to-day -day basis. I just quickly want to thank a few individuals for helping me launch the podcast. My good friend Jeff DeFazio, Marcus X on the beats, Kevin Hoffman on the logo and design work, and Matt Sordello on production. I really look forward to bringing you guys some more content from some individuals. And if there's anyone that you think I should have on the show, please reach out to me. You can add us on social media at Bridge to Bridge SF.